This show is distributed by SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to episode 213 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And on today's show, I am uh, rather hungover, and I'm also in Europe and Ireland. And uh, hey, Jason, how you doing? Well, good, good. Well, isn't that sort of synonymous with being hungover, being in Ireland? I mean, that's kind of to be in It Ireland probably is. Over. I think you're right. I mean, <laughs> we, um, so we used to play this, play this pub uh, in Rathmines, a pub called Sleep, and uh, we played it pretty much every Saturday for a year. And um, at the risk of uh, letting the, the Garda know that you can stay there late, um, we stayed, we were with the guys last night, um, the same, it's, it's all the same people there. Right. So they have this thing called a lock-in. Okay. Where you basically stay until like four in the morning. <laughs> so I was up drinking till four in the morning. And as you can probably tell from my voice, it's like, oh. Yeah, why yeah. does it? Why does lack of sleep affect your voice? Do you think? Because I mean, you you being a musician and a singer in a previous life, you probably know a lot about that. Do you have any idea, understanding of why? I don't know. Um, I guess something to do with the vocal cords. I actually don't have an answer to that. Huh. All I know is it does. Does being hungover specifically have an have an effect, or is it just sort of being probably tired? Probably. I mean, what? Um, on an unrelated note. Um, we were talking about the difference between England and Ireland and some of the guys were saying, so would you ever have a night like this in America? Sorry, not England and Ireland, America and Ireland. And I was like, no, this would, this just wouldn't really happen in America. People don't, people don't stay behind in a bar. Well, anyway, Los Angeles, certainly where we are. Well, yeah, um, I mean, New York or Chicago, I mean, you, you know, the bars in LA close at 2 a.m. by law, but in, uh, in, you know, other parts of the country, that's not the case. Hmm. It just depends on who you're hanging out with, you know. I mean, I guess it depends. I, it depends on your circle, right? That's right. And there are a ton of people who are up all night drinking. That's for sure. So I just think <laughs> you're just not hanging with the right people if that's what you're looking for. Well, maybe I am hanging with the right people, and that's why I'm finally getting shit done. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, how are you enjoying your uh, your vacation? It's what two? You're two weeks in. Two weeks. Two. Is it two weeks in? I think right. You left on a weekend. This is the seg. We didn't because it wasn't last weekend. Well, you went a week because last weekend we took the, we took we took off from doing the show, and that was yeah. the first week there. And this is the second weekend, so yeah, you're two weeks in. Hmm. Yeah, it's going very nicely. I uh, had a fantastic wedding. My cousin got married in um, in the UK, and we were we were up in York for that, and that was really really nice. And um, the wedding was just like absolutely textbook English wedding. I mean, I expected Hugh Grant to walk in at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> right, four weddings and a funeral yeah. uh, sort of feel to it. That's it was really good. And, and the people getting married was my, my cousin Tarquin and his bride Celia. Celia and Tarquin. Yeah. I don't, Does it get any more British than that? Right. So so how, how are you feeling in terms of your, uh, you know, I was saying I thought you might be a little anxious, like you might be a little itching to get back to work. Are you still fine or are you, still, are you starting to get that itch? No, I'm feeling fine, actually. I mean, the only issue is I'm just so freaking cold. <laughs> right, because you've lost your, lost your ability to withstand bad weather, having lived in Southern California for as long as you have. Yeah, I, yeah. And um, I just, I really, really miss the nice heat. I think I've got 
I've got like soft or something like that. Well, you, you do. You, it doesn't take long. I think after about two years of living in Southern California, you pretty much lose whatever thick skin you develop living in, uh, in Northern areas. I mean, I, after having lived in you know Chicago for a few years, I developed a resilience to it. And then I moved out to California. Um, it, it totally within like a couple of years wore off. It's funny. Now, is it just the cold weather or is it the sunshine too? Because that's a big deal for me. Is not- no, sunshine's nice. I mean, but what's weird, okay. what's weird is I, I really didn't like America when I moved out. Like, I didn't particularly want to move there. Mm-hmm. But now, I don't know. All the things that I used to love about Europe and Ireland and London and the things that I didn't like about America, they've all kind of reversed now. It's weird. What other things? It must things? be very suggestible. What? Like, I didn't, I didn't necessarily like how big everything was in America. You know, it was just, ah, it's all too big. It was unnecessarily big. Okay. I didn't like how easy stuff was and how comfortable it was, you know? Like, <laughs> but actually... <laughs> You're like a grumpy old man. You're like, no, oh, we have to walk to school three miles well, exactly, uphill you, both ways in the snow, you know? No, but, I mean, no it, shoes on, you know? Like showers, for example, over here, you know, most people wouldn't have a shower. They'd have a bath with like a... You know how you get you attach like a kind of shower to the tap, right? And then you'd shower that way. So a lot of that's that's the way a typical shower is over here. But in America, people have comfortable showers. You know yeah. that it's all set up to have a nice shower, right? So the, that's an, just an example of, of the kind of level of comfort you can't get ice in your drinks over here, right? You know? Well, when, when, <laughs> when you first came over and you saw an American shower, I mean, what were you thinking? I don't know. I mean, I just. I just thought that uh, it seemed a little bit um, gratuitous or something. Like you know, just it was life was too easy. The, the, like having a, la- a road with five lanes. It's just uh-huh. oh, that's it's it's just all too easy. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, if if you're driving down the road here, like <laughs> you've got a max of one lane and you've got to duck in and out, and there's tiny little cars and people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. The big cars, you know, all that kind of stuff. So now that you're back in Ireland for for a uh, visit, you're feeling a little cramped. A little frustrated. Exactly. I'm feeling kind of claustrophobic. Claustrophobic and cold and, and dirty. And uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. This is frustrating. Like, I can't take a decent shower. This is irritating. <laughs> well, I'm, I miss my jacuzzi. I miss my pool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's I good see. living. It's good living in the U.S., but it's particularly good living in Pasadena. Right? Yeah. But now, this, this, like, I hope this isn't being offensive to any listeners, because obviously... You know, Ireland is an awesome place and England's an awesome place. Yeah, but if it is, uh, feel free to email Justin. He'd love to hear from you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, totally. Really would. <laughs> How are you doing? Have you, have you missed me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about you a lot lately because um, Rob uh, Walling has uh, been in town last couple of mm. And um, he was real bummed, really bummed that you and uh, Georgie weren't around because he wanted, he, ins- he wanted, uh, he never, I don't think he's ever met Georgie. Yeah. And, you know, which, with, with family being in town, that'd be fun if we all got together. But, of course. That- oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry to have missed it. Yeah. So we ended up um, grabbing uh, lunch in, uh, I guess, it was downtown, Old Town. Um, yeah. He, he, he wanted to eat at this particular sushi place. He said, not because it was the best sushi place, but because it was like, we could sit outside. It was right on the strip, you know, right in the main drag. And he's like, oh, what, what sushi place is that? Uh, Kabuki. It's right. Oh, I know that one. So that's like slap bang in the middle of uh, Colorado, basically. Yeah, right. So he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't get much of this being in Fresno. <laughs> it's so we were, it was a fun, we had like a two and a half hour lunch. I got back at lunch at like three o'clock. I'm like, yeah, I should get some work done now. This is, <laughs> would it have made a good podcast? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, I'm under Frendier, as he describes it. So I Uh-oh. can't talk too much about his his uh, upcoming uh, plans and his ideas. But it was really interesting. And I would love to out him on the show just because it'd be fun stuff to talk about. But, um, you know, he's he's a he's an entrepreneur. He's a smart guy. He's always got, you know, always got a couple. He's things. always thinking about stuff. Yeah. I mean, you figure you talk to anybody like that. They're always got a couple really interesting things that they're considering doing. And uh, I, I was... Uh, I was a fan of, of, of one of his ideas in particular. So, um, yeah, it's too bad. I can't, I can't out him, though. Well, I was, we were, we were going to try and uh, have him be on the show today. Um, but he just he didn't have his, any of his recording equipment or he didn't have his headphones. And we just decided maybe we'd get him on in the next couple of weeks or something. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was um, a great time. And you said you were talking about me. What, what were you guys talking about? My ears, what, should they have been burning? No, not really. I mean, you know, we, we, we were just talking a little bit about, um, you know, the show. We were talking a little bit about Plugio, and uh, I don't know, whatever. I mean, you know, your mutual friend. The, onga- yeah, the ongoingness of Plugio. Right. It, it, just, it just comes up. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we had lunch, and then, then we all went out, and we spent most of the yesterday together, and, you know, we were uh, his son, um, Finn, he came over for a play date, so he and Colby were building uh, – building Legos and playing video games for three or four hours. And, uh, Oh, it sounds really good, man. I wish I was there. I all went out for Indian food last night. So it was, that was fun. So yeah, it's great. I'm trying to convince them to move to Pasadena. Oh, okay. Well, I, that's, I mean, you, you do do a good job of that. <laughs> I am. I'm like, I should be like, the, like the official, uh, Pasadena ambassador list or something. You know, like I, I give tours to, to like important people who are considering doing business in Pasadena or moving here. But uh, I mean, I convinced you to move here. Yeah, that definitely. Worked. That worked. Definitely. Yeah, but I would love that. I mean, they're, they're considering it. I mean, I think they're Fresno for a while, but they're considering uh, Bay Area and they're also considering, uh, I don't know, Monterey or something. And I was like, you know, come on, Pasadena. I mean, seriously, if, they, if, if Rob moved to Pasadena, we would be, we, we'd have a laugh. We'd, we'd be going out probably quite a lot. So We'd have to start an all new podcast. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So um, anyway, I guess we hmm. should get on with uh, enough for the chit chat. All right. Well, so I've got like one major topic. You want to get into that now or you want to talk about, I'm interested to hear about Catalyst. I'm interested to hear about all sorts of stuff that you've been working on as well. Well, why don't we, if you only got one major topic, I got all kind of random things. Why don't we just slot it in somewhere in the middle? Sure. Well, I, well first of all, like I'm, I'm dying to know what happened at Catalyst uh, without me there and how you guys get on and um, also just everything about that. Tell me. Um. Okay. So... Yeah, without you being there, uh, I w- it was le- I w- that that would have sucked. Except that CJ was there. <laughs> so okay, cool. Um, and and actually, it's getting easier and easier because um, it, you know, as we talked about when we first were doing the first few sessions, we were doing in the in the play therapy room with toys, which sucked. Mm-hmm. And it did like there was like you know even you CJ and I as well as a couple of the parents, and we still couldn't keep the kids under control was still unbridled chaos. Right. And then, and then the, the series of improvements uh, that we've made is like moving to a better space, getting a whiteboard and tables and chairs, getting the development environment, the catalyst ID into the browser, all those kinds of things have made it easier and easier and keep making the kids more and more focused. And the last one would making, uh, building the sort of the game, the, the, into the, into the, in the catalyst. Um, I, yeah, where they control a robot that's made a huge deal so it was actually very low-key to be honest i mean it was oh, great the kids were 
really pretty focused on playing the game. Um, so that was great. Now, it was funny. I was talking to uh, CJ about this during the class because, you know, actually it was because there was so little chaos, we could actually have a little bit of a talk in between. I could just stop by and mm. just talk. Okay, great. We're doing this stuff. But we, you, you can't imagine really doing that like uh, six weeks ago, right? Oh, no, not a chance. You mean, you, well, you'd be like going, I mean, you'd be like wiping the sweat off your brow going, okay, uh, I don't know, uh, so maybe we should do this. Or maybe we should try something. <laughs> but is it also because they're just, I mean, the kids, I mean, at this stage, I don't know, we've done like six classes, so they're, they're beginning to get it. Uh, I don't think that's it. They are beginning to get it, but I don't think it has anything to do with the chaos. I think mm-hmm. it has to do with the fact that we've removed certain distractions and set things up to be more interesting or more engaging. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit, maybe that's five or 10% of it, but I don't think that's any, I don't have that. I think it has a significant impact. Um, but, um, so one thing I said to CJ, I was like, as like, you know, after being through this experience, I mean, if you ever have a conversation with people about how to t- teach kids of programming or what works and what doesn't, I mean, you're going to know, right. It's like, there's no, like th- something theoretical about it. Like, or it's, it's sort of like, you know, basically what I'm saying is like, you can tell when something works. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you know, you could just use a regular ID and command line. No, <laughs> no, trust me, that's going to suck. You know, it's like, it's just, we've just proved it. It just sucks in comparison, yeah. right? I mean, and, and if you make it a, like, oh, you know, you know, maybe it'll help a lot if you make it more of a game. And some people say, well, you probably don't need a game or this. I'm here to tell you, it works. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> I'm here, right? Well, but, but there, there could be different things that work, but we've just found this as one thing that really works. Yeah. I mean, all the things that we've tried or haven't tried, you know, you've just seen there's just this, it's just, there's such a significant difference um, mm. and, 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 and what we've done. And so that's improved things greatly, not only their ability to learn, um, but also our ability to not go insane trying to keep them trying to manage them um so the 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 thing that um okay so yeah the the, i one thing was frustrating for me though is i didn't have enough time to finish working on the 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 next version of the catalyst ide Mm -hmm. um i did a i was up in uh, san francisco the week before for three days so that cut down on my time significantly so you mean some of those bugs that they were having they still had them this time i didn't get because you know i i made a mistake and i kind of i kind of was working on a, on, on a couple features that i just wanted to experiment to see if i could get working and i kind of got obsessed with that mm. and i'm working one of them was integrating python oh so now you can use python as well as javascript it's completely integrated so you can you can you use either then yes yes so well, that's interesting. So hold on. How does it know what to pass as a JavaScript versus a Python? How does it know what line? So so what I what 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 you do is when you say new program or whatever, it pops up a dialogue and says, you know, remember how we say like, do you want a graphical program or a console program or a, okay? Is below that it says, do you want to be JavaScript or Python? Okay, cool. We say Python and and um, I use one of our um, one of our listeners uh, had suggested looking at uh, Code Sculptor. I think it was. And it was based on a uh, a Python to JavaScript compiler um, called Sculpt, which I had looked at before. And Cold Sculptor was written by a guy who I think he taught a Coursera course on computer science, and he wrote this so, so he could he could uh, have people in the class, you know, learn Python in a more convenient way than having to download and install different things. Mm-hmm. And so I took a look at so I, I had taken a look at, at Sculpt before and I thought that looks pretty cool. Um, but there was like no documentation. 
not how it worked or how to integrate it or do anything. I mean, it was just uh, it was like a command like eval. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, I was like, okay. Um, and uh, so I, the, the guy who wrote Code Sculptor had written two short blog posts on how to integrate it. And uh, um, so I, I was able to do that. And then I was able to integrate the other thing I worked on, which was um, using uh, standard in. So remember how. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You talked about building a console. If you have a console application, you can say, what is your name? And then you can type in your name. And then the, uh, the program is synchronous. It blocks on that. It doesn't continue executing code until it gets the return value of like, you know, name stuck into a variable and you keep going. Just like you're writing a. Did you continue with the server-side version, or did you try the browser browser version? Yeah. So what I did is, um, it's 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 um, it goes through. Um, okay, there's two there's two different things going on here. So let me let me explain this first, and, and I understand what you're referring to. Um, is that it uses it goes through a Node.js server. So mm-hmm. what happens is that when the pro the Python or JavaScript program is running in a web worker which is sort of like a thread, a worker thread in the browser, that when it, when it hits a readlin line, I have a function called readlin, which will then do a synchronous XHR get request to the Node.js server on a specified uh, unique identifier. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and then all, at that time, it posts, it does a post notification to the main thread, the UI thread, that, hey, you know, you have a standard in, uh, you know, pending. Right, and here's your text. Like, what is your name? Okay, and mm-hmm. and then the and the UI prints that out. And then when you hit a return uh, after you're typing something in, it does a post with an XHR post um, asynchronous to the server, which then immediately is it, it immediately finds the, any corresponding um, outstanding uh, get requests on that ID and, and mm-hmm. the web worker. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that works like a charm. So a lot of my time was eaten up this week trying to get um, all this stuff all moved over to Node.js. Because what I did is I, is I moved it from um, the back end from PHP, which wouldn't work very well with that. It would be really slow because you'd have to hit the head of database or something, um, to Node.js. And what I did is I moved it to AppFog. Have you heard of that? You remember? Oh, I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. We, didn't we interview them? We interviewed the founder of AppFog. At the time, it was called Fog. Mm. PHP folk, yeah. That's like a year ago or more, or more, I think. And uh, so anyway, it, you know, like anytime, anytime you move over to a new service like that, it's just like, it just, certain things just, configuring things just takes a while. Like just getting the yeah. and the name stuff was a nightmare. And uh, just because, I don't know, it's just the directions don't necessarily correspond to your DNS, to wherever you're hosting your domain. I don't know, it was a pain and getting a bunch of things working. Um, one of the things that uh, I learned is I was initially trying to build the back end for like saving files in MySQL. So I have Node.js talk to MySQL just because I didn't want to mess around with Mongo um, because I'm more familiar with, with MySQL. Mm-hmm. My perspective, it doesn't matter, right? It's just it's sort of a dumb data store. And uh, the problem is the, 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 I, could, I couldn't get it to work. I could not get the MySQL, the Node MySQL driver to work on AppFog for some reason. And I tried everything in that eight hours. You know how sometimes you get on something and you're like convinced it should work and so you spend like eight hours yeah. banging your head against the wall? And finally I was like, screw it. I'm just do Mongo. And of course I got Mongo working in like 20 minutes. Oh, and like, oh wow. And it, it just sort of goes to show you like, you, you know, like if you're doing PHP, you should probably just use like MySQL or, P- or Postgres, right? Like mm. you don't use SQL Server with PHP. 
And you don't use MySQL with Node. Just use the stack that... Yeah, that's supposed to be used, yeah. And the reason that is is because all the drivers and everything is going to work because everybody uses it and there's going to be plenty of documentation and getting started hello world things, right? Where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to MySQL using Node and it's like, there's, there's nothing. There's no support. And I'm on there with their support guys and I'm like, so does this even work? They're like, yeah, well, we think people are using MySQL with Node. I'm like, do you know? I mean, have you any... <laughs> And we think it's happening as somewhere out there. I'm fine. Like, all right, screw it. And I was just really irritated. So that ate up a lot of my time. Um, it was just a big waste. But I got it working at Mongo. Um, but the thing you had talked about, the thing you're referencing about, you're, you're referencing about uh, not going through the server was actually, you know, when you write a program in the left half of your screen and then you say run program. Mm-hmm. Or I was submitting it at the server, saving it to a file, and then telling the web worker, you know, go import uh, import script this particular f- JavaScript file, right? Yeah. Uh, one of our listeners said, you know, he's like, yeah, you don't really have to do that. You can just use post message. And and I had tried that, but I think I had conf- I had conflated two different issues and uh, running a program in within eval versus like evaling it and then calling a function, calling like the the like a global run function like an encapsulating um, function that sort of runs the code outside of eval. Okay, so so were you able to make that work or make it work? And it worked before the problem is it just like it wouldn't if if you ran a pro, if you not only sort of like I don't know compiled the script like you evaled the script in within eval, okay? Yeah. And you run it like it actually runs it within eval, you're not it won't it won't uh, you're not able to catch runtime errors. It won't throw runtime. Okay. Okay. And that's when I was like, ah, I guess they'll have to use import script. But the, the, the workaround is that what you do is you just, you eval it, uh, is you wrap the script in sort of like a, an encapsulating function, and then you eval that, and then you just call the function after the eval, and you run it in a try-catch block. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And you can catch runtime and compile time, and then you can pass those up to the UI and display them in a nice way in the, in the console app, right? Does that all make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. So, but, so... But you're still going via like at the end of the at the end of the day, you've had to go through Node.js to get the error tracking. Is that right? Uh, not to get the error tracking, to get um to to do the standard in uh to do the okay. read yeah. line or, or raw input in um in uh, Python. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, um the uh, the other thing that um oh and the, and the, the, the it is possible in Firefox, I think. Um, or it's either in Firefox or, or, or Chrome, I can't remember which. One of them you could use like the file system and you can do a synchronous read on a file and kind of block on a file, but it doesn't, it only works in one of them and not the other. Okay. JS is so fast and I'd rather have just one solution work for both browsers. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's like, I mean, it's instantaneous because it's not hitting disk, right? It's just, the Node.js is just running in memory. It's just, it's, um, you know. So you're running on AppFog, the whole thing's running on AppFog now. Yeah, and I, I would, you know, as much as I'm, I was complaining a little bit about you know, figuring the custom domain stuff and and um, and uh, getting the the MySQL driver working. I mean, you know, some people might not have the same issue. You know, I mean, it just might be I don't know enough about DNS to do that very easily. You know, and if they went with Mongo, they would have different experience. But the in, in terms of you know the fact that it's free, like the 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 actual you know uh, plan that I have is free. I mean, and when anyone could use that. I mean, yeah, you, anyone could. Get yes, I mess around with Node.js. It's not like, like you have to go get a VPS and, inst- and and do a bunch of you know sysadmin crap to get stuff working. You can just go to AppFog and you can you can set up um, 
uh, Node.js and and or you can do Python or Ruby and you can have Redis or Mongo, uh, all that stuff running just by click, a, you know, just click, just just bind service Mongo, bind service. Oh, that's fantastic! And what what are the kind of limitations for the free plan and and what do you get for the first paid plan? What's the kind of pricing and all that kind of stuff? I don't know in front of me, but I mean, it was a lot. Like, I mean, like you, you know, a gigabyte of of disk space or something. You know, I'm using like huh. you know eight megs or something. I mean, because of a, a, a couple live JavaScript libraries, I think I'm using like Ace, the editor. You take some poop. That sounds great. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I highly recommend if you're if you're interested in messing around with Node or um, or Python or, or or some of these languages that aren't like like Py, Py, PHP, where they're just installed everywhere. And you, it would normally require a, a certain amount of screwing around with installations. Um, mm-hmm. Right. This is really cool, and it works. That it works, is awesome. Works. It works. Uh, works perfectly. So, um, so the other issue with the the thing that was frustrating is for me is that I spent time working on that, um, and I was doing that when I was in San Francisco, like at night in the hotel room and on the plane flight. And so, because yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of mess with it. And then I got back home, and I realized it's the weekend. I'm running out of time, and so. I started to work on getting um, more levels because you know we had we had created I had created that game that worked really well, and it's like okay we need more levels, and I need to ultimately create, create a way for us to track points. Like you can't go to level four unless you've done level three or unless you've accumulated so many points. And as I knew that was going to be important, and I didn't finish it in time, which was I was oh. frustrated with. I was able to make up fly, uh, new levels on the fly. <laughs> In class, I had I I actually just created a level really quickly, and then I had the couple of kids say, you know, go on the board and draw a level, and then I'll 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 just define it in JSON and upload it to the server. And mm, that's nice. So that worked out. So it was fine. It, I actually squeaked by, and everybody was fine with it. But I realized, like, with these kids, it's going to be critical to have levels that continue to challenge them, but that they also get points. Like, there's a reason why they're doing more levels. Okay. They need that. You know, just it's like like it's like playing a game has no there's no progression in the game. They're like, well, why why would I do that? It's not just an intrinsic thing. They need points. They need and it, so that they can be in competition with each other. Is that why? Or I think they like the idea of in competition with each other. I think they like the idea of just getting points. I mean, they they respond to it. I mean, it's there's something in, almost instinctual in human nature, and then there's something that's sort of probably um, a result of the of kids growing up playing games. Like they like the feedback, the positive reinforcement, the challenge, um, the structure to it. I mean, it just it makes sense to them. And it's funny if I tell the kids like, "Hey, why don't you try and do this?" They're kind of like, "Eh, you know, they're kind of interested in it. They'll do it." But if the game tells them to do it, they're all over it. <laughs> right. So, so w- I mean, what are you thinking about the point system? Like, have you designed it or thought about it? How are you going to work that? Yeah. I, well, I think there's a couple of things you could do. I mean, I think one, you could, um, you could make it just like a, like a basic levels. Like, you know, you go, you can't go to level three unless you've done level two, you know, and you just go one by one and you, and, and each level has a different kind of challenge that requires different types of, of, uh, of skill. So they have to learn how to do conditionals or a switch statement. You know, it just, by solving it, that's the only way to solve it almost, you know? Um, or you, what you could do is you could have a lot of different things, different levels that give different points. And once they accumulate a certain amount of points, they can accumulate in different ways and they can go to the next level. So you can go, they can, yeah, so that would be more like badges, but I'm thinking you could do it like, like there'd be a Python badge, there'd be Python badge, and there would be a uh, a JavaScript badge, or like track, right? Like you're level seven in JavaScript, and you're level twelve in Python. Well, you know? I, I was thinking badges like 
you know, done this level twice, you know, so you go, you, you go to your badge screen, you know, done level two twice, completed level two in less than 30 seconds, that kind of concept. Yeah, you might so, be able to do stuff like that. Not a bad idea. Um, so, so that you uh, could maximize each level, you know? Yeah, make it about speed or making it about points within a level. Um, I think all those things would probably work. I mean, it might be just might just come down to like how hard it is to implement certain things. Um, um, so I'll, I'm definitely at the very least I'm going to have something that lim- that gives them points or, or you know they can't progress until they've done a level, right? right. Orders things because. I could tell when they that just drove the kids, and when they're when they're doing that, they're so focused on solving it that they're that they're kind of um, they're driving the train. You don't have to tell them to do stuff; they just do it, and then you can just come on and 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 they they might ask for your help. Like I don't understand, this isn't working. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to control them. Well, why don't you try and do this? You'd be like, oh, okay, maybe 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 try this, and they're like, oh yeah, and then they're just they're just and they get so fired up when they get when a level when they beat a level. I mean, they're giving mm-hmm. fives and getting all excited so yeah so uh Cat- catalyst uh, so that's sort of the uh that's essentially what's happened and other thing i'll say about other th- i might say about catalyst is that i've had two more kids want to join from oh great some friends of some of the kids in there so um yeah I, and and uh i think we can continue to kind of grow this thing for a while um, and, and the fact that having on the computer having com- levels means everybody can kind of go at their own pace you know it's less about it's less about, you know, us giving up and giving instruction. Today, we're going to learn next. It's like people can kind of do the levels they need, and then we can kind of advise them and say, okay, well, you could need to do this or try this. Yeah, that's much better. So that they can, then we can go around and individually work with each kid as they're going through it. That's right. And then, they, of course, they can do it on their own at home, which a lot of them were asking me about. Can I use this at home? I want to use this at home. I want to do stuff. So, but then, so that's beginning to sound like uh, some kind of subscription system that we can sell to other kids around the world. Yeah, well, that that's ultimately what I think Catalyst could grow into. I mean, I'd like, to, in in one sense, I'd like it to be sort of like a an, a, a local academy, right? We have like hundreds of kids, and we got our own office space, and you know, we teach <laughs> programming and electronics and robotics and synthetic biology and physics and all kind of cool stuff, right? You can have different 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 tracks and different classes, you know, and you could you can go three or four times a week at different times you want and do different things and have different levels. I think that would be awesome. But it, so you're thinking like business like big big time business for this well i'm thinking you know i kind of have like a um you know that you know you like sometimes you have projections like pessimistic realistic optimistic yeah <laughs> and, and, and i don't mean <laughs> pessimistic but like you know i'll be fine i'm okay if it's like you know we have 15 kids and we do this once a week and we do it for a couple years or do it for a year a couple years and and that, that would still be fine you know, it wouldn't be awesome, but that would be a cool, be a, it'd be a nice experience. It would be a good, you know, we'd probably get a lot of kids to off on the right track. Cole, it would be a, a good way to get, you know, for, it's been, it's a good way for me to spend time with Colby. Colby likes it. That's, that's all good. Is yeah. that pessimistic or realistic? That's kind of the most, low, that's the lowest, you know. That's the pessimistic outlook. Yeah, I just, just, this is like, you know, if nothing really if it doesn't blow up in any way and blow up in a good way, right? It doesn't become anything bigger. Now, what would be the next level would be like, okay, we actually have like a local kind of academy. You know, it grows in over the next, you know, 18 months or something to something much bigger. With We have lots of instructors and get kids from Caltech or whatever, teach, you know, you know XYZ classes on this day, you know, a couple times a week or something like that, right? Hmm. 
that would be um, I think that would be very achievable, and I think it could work. I don't think it would be a huge. I don't think it would be a huge money making business. I think it would be profitable. It could make money, but it's not going to make a. It's not going to make millions of dollars or something, right? It might be like a self sustaining kind of thing that makes a little bit of money. Um, <clears throat> but I think also you could um, all the things that are being done in sort of the the academy, the physical real world academy, can be put online so that the rest of the world can use it. And, um, and you could do. You could kind of take a. I'm I'm sure I've heard of this before, but you could take like a, a Y Combinator approach and take. I'm going to take 1% of whatever this kid earns during the first 10 years of their career or something like that. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to do that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only kidding, but uh, yeah, that would be interesting. But um, I was talking to, as, as it happens, I was uh, sitting on, on the plane to, when I was flying up to San Francisco um, last week. Next, sitting next to me was a founder of a company called uh, Activity Hero. Hmm. And what they do is they're a sort of just a... a um, I don't know, almost like, I don't know which these sites, like Yahoo, like Yahoo used to be back when originally, when it, in its original car, incarnation would just list like sites of a certain category. So they yeah. put together, they find all the opportunities for after school activities for kids. And oh, so like a, a directory, like a link directory. Like a directory, that's a good way. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and specifically kids, activities that are enrichment of some kind, whether it's artistic or you know, academic or, or whatever. And, and she was telling me, she's, I was telling her how little I was charging. I said, you know, we're just, I'm just charging 40 bucks a month because I, I, I need the kids to get started. I mean, I need kids. I don't want kids not doing it because it's too expensive and not even, and they're not, it's not, they're not clear that this is anything that's worth spending a lot of money on. So, but she's like, yeah, you could charge a lot more. Your parents will pay a lot of money for stuff like this. And she's like, what you're describing, you know, you could, you could charge, you know, I don't know what, a hundred, 50 bucks, 200 bucks a month. No, it makes sense because if you think about it, 40 bucks a month, what, 10, 10 bucks a week? I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, and, and there's two-hour sessions. She's like, you know, mm. it, it, that's just, you know, ridiculously low price. She's like, but I understand why you're doing it. And uh, so, I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that even as a, as a sort of an academy like that, it could be a money make. It could be a business. Yeah, and enough to, enough to kind of pay the, the basics and, and make a nice bit extra. Yeah, at least feel like it's not a continual, ongoing volunteer effort. You know, mm-hmm. this actually, which I believe in. I mean, it's like you can do good in the world, but if things make enough profit, you feel like, okay, I'm actually being compensated. So even though I'm burnt out and tired and I got other stuff I want to do, I'm going to get up and do this. You know, it's not just that at some point, sometimes when, when you just do stuff out of the goodness of your heart, sometimes that just, that well runs dry after a while when you have enough pressure in other parts of your life. And that's why I'm always against, I think it's more sustainable if you can have, um, money. It doesn't have to make profit for investors, but at least can pay and compensate the people who are providing ongoing services to. Well, it's the- what we always said about office hours versus uh, anything. Right. Yeah. People, yeah. people like the idea of volunteer work. It sounds really good. Make people feel warm and fuzzy. But the reality is when people volunteer for stuff, it, it, just, it, just, it just doesn't last. And I was talking to, when we were, we were up in Chicago uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my buddy Phil about, like, about that. And he, he was talking about, in the context of guerrilla filmmaking, like making low-budget films, which is yeah. something into. And he's like, the, the, the suggestion was, like, you really want to shoot the whole thing over, like, one long weekend. Because even though people say they're really excited and say they'll do it the second weekend, a lot of people just aren't going to show up. Yeah, their their goodwill and enthusiasm just runs out after three or four days. Like that's it, you know. So maybe like a Friday <laughs> through a Sunday, and you're you're pretty much done. 
nobody each up there, oh we're gonna all another weekend we're shooting people just aren't gonna do it and that's that's been my experience too people talk a big game and they show a lot of enthusiasm but you know you just um it's just uh, it's, it's, it's limited so um anyway i think that also that if if you made it like an like you've made like online an online subscription to this kind of stuff mm-hmm that that could bring in revenue that could help support like they could they could it could be sort of a symbiotic relationship like the academy allows us to prototype learning curriculum like what works and what doesn't right and but you can also make a lot more money because there's an entire world of of parents and kids who might find this thing to be extremely valuable and would want to spend money on it i mean not well the the other thing is is um did you see that article on hacker news about um, why it's so great to be a female coder? I I saw it, but it looked too long. I I I was thinking about reading, but I'm like, yeah, I just don't. I don't have a half hour to read. So wh- wh- she brought up a lot of points that basically were just reasons why it's great to be a coder. Like for example, you <laughs> there's a lot of work out there. Um, you you know you can get good rates. Uh, you can move around the world. All these different things, and it's it's been making me think. I wish there was a way that I could get some of my friends into being a coder. Like they, they think that it's something, but I know that they're definitely clever enough and they could do it, but there's no uh, kind of simple way to get them into it. Even something like what we've been doing for Catalyst would be kind of fun for some of the friends that I have mm-hmm. to just play those games, you know? And, and, and then when they start thinking about programming as just an extension of that, I think it would be a great way to just get people into programming. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think if you can make things, if you can sort of, gamify yeah i mean it, it just makes stuff it just i don't know it makes it fun i mean by definition i mean it makes something that was sort of you know there's some frustration and tedium always there's always frustration and tedium with learning something new and hard you know okay but now taking the opposite perspective of that about the idea of someone just starting programming and all of a sudden starting working um one thing that i've been thinking about recently is you you know how i don't know um i'm gonna try and explain this but basically, I've run into a lot of entrepreneurs recently who will hire a coder who's not necessarily that experienced to build out their vision, mm-hmm. right? So, so that, that's kind of an issue in the opposite direction. It's like, okay, people need a little bit more experience before you start getting them to build your business. Um, and actually, on the, on the plane journey over, I was writing a blog post uh, with the title, Hiring a Coder is a lot like hiring a lawyer or a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I'm just curious to kind of just brainstorm that with you and wonder what you think about that. But basically, my thesis and theory of it is, is that, you know, if, if you need someone to help you build out an entrepreneurial idea, it's better to get someone who's got, you know, the 10,000 hours kind of thing mm-hmm. than, than try and get someone who maybe would be just a fresh out of the, I don't know, someone who's been programming a year or something like that, just because they would have experienced so much. I don't know, like a lawyer. For, for the reason the similes I'm making is like a lawyer would understand a lot of case law and would understand a lot of the fringe differences and weirdnesses. And the same with a doctor, a doctor would understand complications. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, what do you think about that? That it's better to hire experienced people than, than people without experience. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, y- yes. And I mean, that, that sounds like ridiculously obvious, but <laughs> wouldn't you agree that it's, 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 it's very common for, like business entrepreneurs who aren't tech savvy to just hire someone who's kind of underqualified for the job. Yeah, I mean, I think tech uh, founders, non-technical founders, are just looking for anyone they can get uh, on the cheap a lot of times, or who's available. Like people with experience right. 
usually have other options and so and and, and usually can demand um better compensation or whatever so um or they're going to be like hey i'll do it with you but it's going to be 50 50 or something It'll- but they show they show a lot of optimism i mean uh no uh no what's no what's the optimism no what, what's the word <laughs> when you when you're very hopeful that's optimism oh yeah okay they show a lot of hot optimism when they hire people who have only been working for a year and and that person is supposed to translate their business idea into a full website and a full back end and all this all this stuff without understanding that programming is really a vocation you know i think like, maybe generalizing a personal experience i mean i know the like you know obviously the the client stuff you're talking about i don't know if if most tech uh most technology founders who would 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 pursue that path you know, like- well, no, I, I've definitely run into a number of entrepreneurs. I mean, I can think of like five who, at least five anyway, over the years, who just feel they've had they've had a really bad experience, really bad experience hiring a technologist to build out their their idea. Because and because ultimately they hired somebody who was inexperienced. Was that well because because they don't know what they don't know and they're a bit naive about the hire that they make. So so they think just because someone says they program PHP or JavaScript or whatever. Oh, that's a programmer. That's good enough. That's what I need. Yeah, it's like, well, I always describe this too. I mean, the difference of programmers is just like the difference in, say, basketball players. <laughs> right. People say, oh, I, I played for years. Like, I played for years in, like, when I was in junior high, JV, versus somebody who's played for years and is playing professional. I mean, it's just it's worlds apart. And there's no way for anybody uh, outside of that to, to really differentiate. You can't see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard. I mean, unless you can say, like, oh, you you can you can see the things they've built or something you know they can have different indicators it's but it's harder for them to tell it's not like you can just look at them and say oh wow this guy's six foot eight and can dunk by it without even jumping in the air you know <laughs> right yeah. I, okay yeah that guy looks like I, I look at him and he looks like the guys who play in the pros versus that guy's like you know he does he's thirty pounds overweight and <laughs> in five foot six like I don't I can see it that guy's not the same kind of thing same kind of athlete so. Go on. But yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, it's just like when I go to, a mecha- I take my car to a mechanic, I, I really, it's very difficult for me to ascertain what their competency is. I don't know. Well, what do, what do you think of this little chart here? So I had this little idea of, of building a chart so that, so that entrepreneurs could kind of get a rule of thumb concept mm-hmm. about, you know, just ranking someone. So, so even a, a, a business entrepreneur who knew absolutely nothing about technology could kind of rate whether this is a person they should be working with. So I thought, um, for example, one, I've got like a list of bullet point list of things that you should know. Like, has this person built awesome software in my technology specialization, i.e. iPhone? Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's, that's, you know, one of the big things is if you, if you need to build an iPhone webs, uh, an iPhone app, you can't just get a programmer. You, you know, you should get a programmer who's built an iPhone app or at least a few. Right. But, uh, but people that don't necessarily recognize that they're like okay i can just use a programmer right you know what i mean right um you know have they built awesome software in in my specific business domain because that's another big deal isn't it like if someone understands your technology space but also understands your business domain so let's say they've already built a real estate website and you're building a real estate website i mean that's huge you know it's going to make such a big difference there's one way to differentiate too in terms of like short-term projects versus long-term projects so if you're going to hire somebody for you know, as an employee who's going to work for for years. I mean, and they're a smart, uh, competent person. 
uh, and smart in terms of like they already know how to code um, and code well. They don't have to necessarily know your your problem domain, especially if there are other developers who do know it on staff. Mm-hmm. And especially if they have, you know, weeks or months to get up to speed. But if you're hiring someone as a consultant, um, you know, you're going to waste a lot of money and time if, they, if they're completely unfamiliar with the domain. Exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. This, this project I did about a year, year and a half ago um, with uh, a guy who was building a little, um, it's like an automated trading system. And it was a, it was a relatively small project. And uh you know, I was able to knock it out and anticipate everything that he wanted. Like, I would just say, oh, this is what you want. I know what he's talking about. Like, he he kind of drew stuff that, like, oh, I want this to look. He used Excel to lay it out, you know. And I'm, mm-hmm. I know what he wants, and that sucks. Like, this is what he wants. And I showed it to him. He's like, oh, man, this is unbelievable. And he loved it. <laughs> and it was like, well, because I've been in that world. I, you know, I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're trying to – I know if you had spent enough time thinking about what you'd ultimately be articulating, but you just – you know, you haven't spent enough time building it. So I just built it for him. So he got, he he got a bargain out of it because of my experience. Um, Now, if he had hired you, who is another very experienced smart coder to build a high frequency trading, it would have been a completely different experience. It's not because you're not smart and do a good job. It's just like you didn't spend 10 years of your life. Exactly. Building these kinds of systems. And you would have been like, okay, so what are you trying to do again? And you would just yeah. build it more to specification as to instead of more to like uh, what intent, like what is it you really want? I know I hear what you're saying, but what does you want? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to anticipate because you're like, I, I don't know enough to anticipate. I'll just do exactly what you're telling me. It's huge. I mean, that's huge. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make as well in the blog post that I, it's obviously too long to read. But it, that's like a surgeon, you know, you'd hire a knee surgeon, you know, you, you wouldn't hire a heart surgeon to work on your knee kind of thing, right? <laughs> and the same with a lawyer, like you'd choose a lawyer who really specialized in the specific kind of law that you're interested. Now, if there was a, a shop that was doing like high frequency trading, which like just as an example, that was totally outside of your domain, and you were really looking for a long term job, I'd say, you know, I'd say, and they would say, should we hire Justin? I'd be like, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's going to take him a, a couple, you know, months to really get up to speed on trading and, and, and the computer language, you know, that you're using and the, just the idea of, of, of how this works. But once he internalizes it and gets it, yeah, extremely productive. But just there's going to be, and then you'll, in the end, if you amortize that over like a three year period, you'll be extremely happy. But the first couple months, you might be like, eh, well, he's not really able to create a whole because uh- he doesn't get, really get it yet. No, yeah, I, t- I completely agree with that. But if you think about this from an entrepreneur's perspective, like an entrepreneur has a business idea in mind. So they don't, they don't have time for the, the technologist that they hire to learn the business domain, you know? <laughs> they just want that person to walk in. And, and that's why they should be spending $100, $200 an hour for someone. Well, you know, and that's why they're going to save money that way. And, and, and another example, though, and, and uh, was, you know, when Travis, the, he's the founder and CEO of uh, Uber, contacted me about working on uber <laughs> and he's like you know we're dispatching system which is built in php by this consulting firm out of mexico it's falling apart and you know we just can't you know it just it, it doesn't work very well and as we're growing it's just not scaling at all mm-hmm. and he asked me to come in and, and and just come up with a new architecture now obviously i had never built a dispatching system a transportation dispatch but the paradigm similar Yep. Of high frequency trading to to that similar right, but then I said, All right, let's do, we should build it Node.js. Now I had right. used Node.js. We had interviewed Amir Salenhefendek <laughs> about. Yeah. He mentioned it that his using it in Plurk. I'd read a blog post or two on it, and I had seen he had given it. Amir had given a tech talk at Google, 
and talking about using it. And that's all I knew. I knew it had scaled. He seemed like he'd made it work. I knew JavaScript. There were a lot of there were some parallels to high frequency trading um, and uh, between high frequency trading and this sort of dispatching system. But it was like I built it. I built anything like that specifically. So I but I just went in and I, and I was just like, okay, this is how you build it. And it worked. It worked out fine. Right, it worked out great. Um, yeah, but I, I do see. I mean, I, I definitely think there's a lot of parallels between that because you because the the basic way you need to think about high frequency stuff is very similar for both of those concepts. Yeah, and I don't know. I think now I think about. It, I think Travis Travis knew that. I mean, he knew about my background in trading and algorithms. He was thinking it was going to be more important for in terms of algorithms. Mm. He knew. Uh, he was like, well, you know. We we have a lot of them. This is very much an algorithmic business, and and the guys we have on staff don't really have experience with that. They're more just straight up web coders, and and but I think that became that was less important than it was um, building the the infrastructure and and the and the packet uh, I guess transfer systems and all that kind of stuff. Message, yeah, building some like real time messaging, yeah, messaging system, and mm. so I he I guess he he understood that, um, and I think about it, I'm sure that's probably why he was interested in talking to me about it now. If even though I picked out a new, a new technology platform, I, I didn't say let's build this in C plus plus, which I, I could have. Um, he 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 was he was fine with it based on my experience. He's like he was a little surprised, like what the hell's Node.js? <laughs> you know, because it's November December two thousand ten. But I'm kind of yeah. worried about the blog post though because I wonder will some of the guys you know some of the very smart guys who are maybe 3 years into programming go well that's ridiculous like i could build i could build anything you know i i think that what you're saying is that a rubbish you have to you probably need to use some examples and it's 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 like the uh trading thing i mean you know yeah i mean you the the problem is like you could build anything but you could you you'd, be, you'd likely solve it in the wrong way you know it's like the 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 i think People who had not built a real-time system would have still been hitting a SQL database to build a dispatching system, or or to speed it up would have like hitting memcache or something, which wouldn't have been a very good and clean solution. It would probably would have worked. Mm-hmm. It would worked. It probably just wouldn't have scaled as nicely and been as responsive and and been as meaningful to doing um, the kind of stuff that we do. But um, you know, would have worked. It's just like if someone asked me to build some embedded system, I could probably figure it out, but it probably wouldn't be nearly as good of a solution than if you hired some guy who does who specialized in embedded systems work. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, I just be like, I'd just be reading, trying to find a book on how to build embedded systems. You know. Well, I was thinking, you know, you could, if you think about it from a from a lawyer perspective. Like you could consider hiring a young hotshot lawyer who maybe had a couple of years on the job, but you'd understand there's some kind of risk due to them not having paid their dues. And you'd probably just hope that your case isn't the case that they're going to pay their dues on. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we're always paying our dues. We're constantly paying our dues yeah. to do stuff, right? I mean, I'm constantly, I mean, you know, just like we're talking about the app fog, I'm trying to connect in you know, to MySQL. I, you know, I spent a bunch of time screwing around with that and you know and and you know i relearning mongo like i did some mongo stuff we did that back earlier with uber but i'd kind of forgotten you know the api as much so and i had to go back and like relearn it right so we're constantly repaying our dues or reinvesting um mm. and i think you're right i mean you know you you just kind of have to you, a lot of times it just comes down to like who you can find you know it's just yeah just no that's true yeah it's true like but no but if if you if you don't even know to look at a certain level if if you're just a business entrepreneur and you're thinking right okay i'm going to look on elance for a 20 buck an hour guy like if you if you don't know that you should be thinking about a hundred dollar an hour guy you know or two hundred dollar an hour guy then that's just something you don't know 
you just don't know. Well, they- so that's that's the point of the article is to just say, look, it, it, this is kind of a vocation and it's very specialized. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think ultimately, if you can find someone who's higher priced but really has done a lot of stuff, I mean, they're going to, I mean, their solution is going to involve a lot of cutting and pasting and using libraries that they know. They're like, yeah, I've done, yeah. done this, you know, got already got this already built. Here's another library where somebody's new to it is just going to be spending a lot of time scratching their head and what should I do and researching. And even if they're a third the price, that may take them five times as long. Now, the only risk, of course, of writing this is going to come across as self serving because you're an experienced coder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, just. <laughs> Just just switching the subject, um, talking about relearning. So Plugio fell over <laughs> again. <laughs> so uh, when when I arrived in Ireland, it, it was fine, but then got to Ireland. So we, I was in the UK and everything was fine, but then got to Ireland and Plugio had just stopped working, like the database had just completely fallen over. So I had to look back in and work out what on earth was going on. Um, and, you know, it kind of got to the point where it was like just – at a crawl, it was like at a standstill. Mm-hmm. And um, I contacted Rackspace and I was like, okay, can you tell me what's going on? Like, I haven't done anything. I just haven't changed this in any way. And they said, well, sorry, we can't, you know, we can't do anything about it. I mean, this is your personal app. Because remember, I'm now using cloud, a Rackspace cloud database. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like an abstracted database system, which is awesome. So anyway, so I looked in a bit deeper. And one of the things that I haven't really used before, and this, this is bad, and this is one of these things where, you, you know, you just keep on learning and it's something new that I've learned is the show process list uh, MySQL command. Have you ever used that? Show process. Is it, it's not like the uh, show execution path, right? It's, yeah, show, show process. No, no, that's not like um, explain. That Explain is something different. I think you're thinking about that. But show process list basically shows you all the current queries that are being executed oh, okay. by MySQL. Okay. So um, one of the, uh, the other thing is show status. So I, I mean... Basically, I couldn't get any help from Rackspace because it was too deep and it was too app specific. So I needed to do a little bit more learning about MySQL and how to optimize MySQL. So show process list and show status are both very interesting. Show status just gives you all sorts of stats about what's going on with MySQL. And show process list shows you everything that's going on. And it, it, it shows you the queries, but it also shows you kind of what the query is doing. So it will say, um, you know, send, sending the data or something like that. So let's say it selects star from users. It'll, it'll give you the current uh, state that the query is in. I'm currently sending the data out or whatever. So one of the things I noticed that was happening with this show process list was there was lots of copying data to temp table. And there, there was like, I don't know, like 150 queries backed up of copying data to temp table. Right. It's like, what, what on earth is this about? Anyway, after, <laughs> after like a lot of research and debugging, I found out that I had uh, a select order by RAND. So, you know, RAND is like a, a random. Because the way that I wanted, to, it, I wanted to process my, it's a cron script, and I wanted to pluck one record from the table and basically pluck this record in a random way because I didn't just want to pluck it one after the other. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, wouldn't have made a huge difference if I did pluck it one after the other, but for some reason I decided random. Anyway, as it turns out, it makes a copy of the entire table, <laughs> even if there's a million rows, and it uh, makes a copy of the table before it chooses a random entry. Now, I, I think we talked about um, building something in uh, where any, and we're talking about doing this with any foo, but I think we also talked about in context of, of maybe do, of, of maybe you doing that with doing something like this with Plugio, which is having 
a system email you or log, log how long queries take, but if, it, if a query takes more than, you know, I don't know, whatever, 500 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds, whatever the threshold is between something that seems like it's a slow query, that it, it emails and says, this query is running slow. You had yes. anything like that to, to monitor no, and that was happening? No, I don't have anything like that. I don't have anything like that. And, and the strange thing about this is that this had not been a problem before. Remember how I had that other problem where because all of a sudden I had all these Ajax calls, the database was backed up. Yeah. This was, this was a similar thing where the database table, the number of rows had grown to just so many that now when it was doing um, the, the temporary table copy to create this random thing, right. uh, it was like slow enough that one query would get backed up on the other query that would get backed up on another query. And so it was just like that extra few milliseconds slower that there was now like 100 queries backed up and a cascading and, effect. Yeah, it's a cascading effect, yeah. And so uh, what was your solution? Just select the, the most recent entry to be processed. And so therefore, there's no copy to temporary table. Just pulls it out. And then as soon as I did that, the whole thing worked beautifully again. Right. Huh. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I thought that was interesting. It's a good thing to build into your system anyway in general. It's just, it's just like whenever you do like a... Um, you have like an execute. I mean, I know you used uh, Easy SQL, right? Which is your yeah. library. Is if you build something like you, you have like a um a a configure which you can send an email address to, and then you can like and uh, you, you configure like here's my email address for errors or query performance, you know, uh, hmm. query performance results, and then you have like a a um a series of um of uh, a configuration like you know if it if query runs longer than this log it if a query runs longer longer than this email me immediately if if a query is longer it doesn't run or this kind of query fails send me a text message you know that kind of a thing um yeah. and and then just wrap that your execute in in that and in, in that kind of a call you know something like that well to give you an example like the show process list when i look at it when everything's healthy there's usually anywhere between five and ten processes at any one time from all the, all the users using the system. Right. Whereas when it's backed up, then there's like 150 processes. So right. that's but, just one of the things but, you can check. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. You might want to have some like real-time alert system just so that you don't have to worry about it. And you, you, you know, I think you're right. Yeah, definitely. And that would be very hard to build. You build that in a few hours, you know, yeah. afternoon of screwing around. And you'd probably be pretty fun to build. Um, well, speaking of uh, scaling, um, I'm going to tell you a little Uber scaling. You want to hear a little? Yeah, definitely. So... <clears throat> What are the things that um, the thing that we're having the biggest issue scaling right now, or, or is the dispatching system? <laughs> same old, same old. Well, because we're growing at ten percent, uh, no, which is huge. Thing like that. I don't know. Maybe it's ten percent a week. I don't know. Whatever it is. I mean, it's like I, I don't know if that's the right number, but we're growing fast. And just this past weekend, there were like four hundred and fifty cars on duty in San Francisco alone. When I, I remember when I first came, there was and like, how many times are they polling a minute? Each phone hits in is like, you know, a couple times a second. So, so you, 450 you, times by two per second. It, it is more, it's more, it's usually more, uh, drivers. So probably well over a thousand because there's more clients and drivers. So well over a thousand hitting twice. Wow. And, and it's not just like a chat program, which is like echo hello or something. I and mean, it does significant amount of like, uh, of work. There's things going on. There's, you know, different there's All the geolocation processing, basically. Yeah, there's just different kinds of state management and, you know, optimizations and map fitting stuff. I mean, it's just all kind of cool stuff that makes, you know, the system more powerful, more, you know, mm-hmm. 
So it has to do things. Now, <clears throat> we try and offload as much of that stuff to the API. So we, call, we forward stuff to a PHP API, and then we get a callback, and the, you know, the API says, well, here are your results. But you, know, you still have to do some processing and stuff, you know, the results and, and things. So you know, and as we've talked about, I, I built a profiler with Guyone a while back that we've used to, um, to find these slow, uh, you know, these slow points, these choke points. And a lot of, a lot of the stuff we've pulled out. So we've, we keep making it like, you know, this, you know, a couple of things we did made it like twice as fast and then, you know, 20% faster and 15% faster. We're starting to run out of low hanging fruit. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's only so fast that you could make it without removing functionality. Um, because the way it works is a, a node process runs a single threaded. It runs on one core. Right? Yeah. So there's your bottleneck. At some point, you know, you, you can't run on that core anymore. You've got to do something else. And, um, you know, I, in the, in the point I was trying last time, when I was up there last week or two weeks ago, I was trying to make the point that, you know, we need to think not in terms of making this thing twice as fast, four times faster. We need to think in terms of making it at least two orders of magnitude faster. Like, how do we manage 50,000 cars simultaneously? Yeah, you need to go horizontal. Yeah, you need to go horizontal, but we need to think in terms of order, multiple orders of magnitude because we're growing so fast. I mean, otherwise, we don't. 2013, we don't want that to be like our year of the fail whale. Like, right, right. Really starts going, I mean, if Uber really starts going mainstream and it's just, you know, it just suddenly blows through our, our, our ability to scale and then we have, you know, three months of hell. It's going to go mainstream. Even my cousin at the wedding said he got an Uber taxi in London. So Exactly. Exactly. And um, so one thing I was suggesting is like we should do like an Uber prize, kind of like an X prize at Uber and like come up with teams of two to, um, you know, to build the next architecture, next generation of the dispatching system. Like what does that architecture look like? Um, Because, you know, everybody has different ideas about what should work. Um, And I don't know if we're going to do it or not. Um, It's like, you know, because it would just that would be a big allocation of resources to do that. But, but it's that, just as you describe it, I mean, it sounds like couldn't you just add another core and then like load balance between the cores and then add you know five cores or I mean yeah just as you described it. I mean, ultimately, right? Yeah, ultimately, what you need to do is um, have it running on horizontally. So you would have eight or sixteen or you know we're on multiple machines dispatching systems for one city, right? But then what you do is you have there, you know, you have because uh, all of these drivers, trips, and clients stay in memory. They're objects that are running in memory. They're not sit, sitting some sitting in a cache. They're not in a database. It's like a, a continuing running process. It's an object in there and in, in, in memory, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, when you do things like, um, you know, if you have the the client the drivers in different in different dispatching systems, well, then like let's say a client pops up and and they get assigned to one dispatch system and they want to find out like, hey, I pick, you know, they do a pickup request. Well, well, we need now. Do we have to like query every single uh, dispatch to get their location to find out which one we should, rec- you know, send a dispatch message to? Hmm. You know, so you have things like that. So there's there's a geo complicated. Yeah. Basically, it's like um, I mean, it's it's the very similar problems to sharding. Yeah, it's like when you shard a database. Yeah, yes, but I, I can't. I've I've come up with. I can't. I I don't think I could really talk about it here but uh i i've come up i, I woke up the other morning i'm like i got it <laughs> <laughs> I, okay great so you you win your own x prize that you you were gonna make but you win it already so uh i i don't know we'll see i've um 
I, I gotta. I, I, I might have to uh, cut one of the other uh, guys in on it and and uh, do it because. But I. Do you have the madness about it. I do. I haven't done anything with it, but I'm just like dying. I'm like, I know how to make this sucker scale. <laughs> okay, well that's great. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna try and scrape just some time together over the next couple of weeks and see if I can get a um, some kind of a prototype of it because I think it'll be. Um, I think it'll work, and I, I think it require the. I won't require that much. Uh, architectural change. I mean, it's significant, but not like a six month, you know, six months of rearchitecting the system. Because some guy was like, "Oh, maybe we should rewrite another language," and I'm like, "Dude, are you serious? Like, rewrite it in Go or something?" I mean, that's insane. I mean, that would lang maybe just take forever. I'm like, no, we don't yeah. have to do that. I don't think. But you know, that's one reason that you'd have teams. It's like, okay, you know, you know, I think that's a bad idea, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. just, yeah, right. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe. You know, maybe he's got a point. I don't know. I, but I personally would, I'd rather that people, I'd rather that the solution wins in a contest. Like, you know, given, you know, eight servers or some reasonable number of servers allocated to a city, how, who can scale to 50,000 or 100,000 cars simultaneously with staying under a certain amount of CPU usage and having a certain response level? They're like, who does, you know, could do it? Like, let's just run them against each other and let's see what works. You know, and, and that way, it, that way, it's less about arguing or who makes the best case on the whiteboard. Well, there's, but there's another point about who gets there the fastest. I mean, if you've if you've got your idea and you can build it based on the existing architecture, and you can get it out there in a couple of weeks, then you're going to win anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, you know uh, someone yeah. else couldn't write that in Erlang for, in two weeks. Yeah, well, that's part of the equation, right? If you say, "Oh, well, I've determined we've determined that Erlang's a great solution," it's like, "Well, okay, well, how many months is it going to take you to rewrite everything?" You know, then yeah. You know, it's going to, it would just, in the amount of bugs that you would introduce, just rewriting a system. I mean, I've, I've done that a number of times where I, you know, more times than I should admit where I've rewritten something and in, in from one language to another. And, um, and all the times it always seems like, oh, it's pretty straightforward and I can write something that'll semi-automated. It ends up just being, uh, a, a, usually a very big deal. And mm-hmm. especially something like dispatch, which just can't go down. I mean, this thing can't no. fail. It's not like. I mean, it would just impact too many people in a very negative way. People are out there on trips and cars are driving around. All of a sudden, everything just screws up. I mean, you can imagine a nightmare, support nightmare that would be. So, yeah. It reminds me of that show where they lost electricity. I don't know if you've seen that show. It's called um, Revolution, Revolution or something like that. But anyway, the, pre- the premise is, is that uh, planet Earth loses electricity. And then um, solar flare, all, some kind of gamma. Yeah, and it's just like how how humans deal with that. Anyway, it's vaguely <laughs> related to what you just said because people, what would they do if the dispatch system went down? Oh, they'd have to use a map. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, imagine if you're on a trip or you're not even a trip. Like you're, you know, all the people who are like waiting for their for their for their driver to pick them up, and nothing happens, and you have like hundreds of people standing around. Well, they just they just flag another cab. Yeah, well, they're waiting. They may wait around for a long time. I mean, it might be a situation. Yeah, no, it's true. Just one guy who's like, "Oh, I'll just grab a cab." It could be a group of people after a dinner waiting for a thing. They're they're late for an event or something, and now you screwed up their night or pick some up for the air. People are missing their flight because they were expecting. I suppose at the most critical end, it could be a doctor who's being taken to a surgery. So yeah, fair <laughs> yeah, it would be an extreme solution. But I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of situations where, like, if I you know, ride hadn't come when they th- said they would come. Would I would have missed my flight or something? I mean, it would have really screwed. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's true. That is true. Yeah. So I'm sorry to uh, to belittle it. Well, I, you know, there's just situations where like where people yeah. are counting on you, your logistics infrastructure for 
for them to accomplish something and it just fails. I mean, people be pissed off. It's not like, oh, my tweet didn't go through. It's like, I missed my flight, asshole. <laughs> you know? as, as a vaguely related talking point, do you think that um, with the advent of online shopping, sites like Amazon and the growth that we've seen in the last, I don't know, two to five years, do you think that companies like UPS and the Postal Service have just absolutely exponentially grown? In terms of their infrastructure or in terms... I guess infrastructure, bringing in new employees, just all having to deal with all this extra business. Hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know how I, you know, honestly, I don't really, yeah, I have, I don't have, uh, I don't have any particular insight in that. I mean, I remember that UPS, I think, grew quite a bit back in, in the thousands with, you know, the advent of Amazon and similar, you know, uh, e-commerce sites and they yeah. probably do a lot with their technology infrastructure in terms of like how the u.s postal service works and stuff i you know i don't know yeah i mean i don't know i was just uh, for some reason i don't know why it was crossing my mind but i was thinking wow did did the internet kind of change the u.s postal service <laughs> <laughs> anyway I, but, but i'm related <laughs> sorry for the well, tangent hey i got something to bring up that's important go go we got an advertiser oh we do great do right so well okay first part before i get into this uh this particular uh, uh um uh i don't know what we call it, advertiser or we that, there there would be a uh segment segment it's pretty segment what what happened has anything happened with uber media the, the jobs they posted have you heard anything uh yes what has happened is that absolutely nothing's happened we haven't received any resumes um through our mailbox uh uber media haven't received any and um it looks like it hasn't worked in any way whatsoever. Okay, well, got another experiment then. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I don't know whether that is just that specific instance, whether it's the language or whether it's the tech or whether it's the location, you know, so. Right. Who right. knows? Hmm, interesting. Okay, well, so uh, we were contacted um, by um, a guy named Ravi Ram who runes um, a, a site. It's called... a. a it's like a, it's a, it's a, I, I think, I think it was like 37 signals before 37 signals had um, projects, you know, just like yep. in-house design coding consultancy. Um, and uh, the name, the name of their site is Dolly dot, you actually pronounce it Dolly, like a dull knife. Hmm. It's spelled Dolly, like D-H-A-L-I, Dolly. Oh, oh, as in Salvador Dolly. Yeah. Now. Uh, we were we were talking. No, is this is this Dolly D H or is that D A L I? I don't know. D it's D A. Go on. Anyway, the the point. So he 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 thought it'd be good to meet in person. So he and his designer drove up from the O C to uh, Pasadena, and we ended up having lunch there at uh, sat out there in the courtyard. You know, right? Oh, great. Yeah, had a little uh, Father Nature and sat outside and hung out, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, he he's uh, Ravi's been listening to the show for he said a hundred or hundred and. 50 episodes at least. So he's, <laughs> well, and, uh, so he said, he thought maybe he was going to start spending some money on advertisement and, and uh, he thought he'd like to maybe give this a shot, but he wanted to be in person, which is really good. Um, Cause we've got to know each other and he's a really cool guy. And uh, um, you know, it, one thing about their site. So what they do is they do everything from design to programming, to hosting, to management or maintenance. Right. So it's like, yeah, the whole thing, and it's um, and they're all like they're like an ASP back end. So they do like they do front end, you know, typical CSS, jQuery type of work and, and design. But they all but they, they're more like an ASP.NET shop. Hmm. And um, 
but I was like, you know, we we're talking about the domain, and I was like, you know, I just think that's that domain's gonna be hard for people to remember. And so I said, why don't you, why don't you just be like, call these guys, like callthesguys.com. So I went and looked it up and callthesguys.com was available. <laughs> so no way. It's registered callthesguys.com, and I said just to be sort of complete, do just do callthesguys.com and just callthesguys.com. So he's registered both of them. So. And I was saying, you know, because he was asking me, he's like, what do you think about, you, you know, your li- the, do you think the listeners to TechZing would be a good target market for us? And I was like, you know, I really don't know. I mean, we have such a range of, of the types of people listen, it's hard to say. I said, all we can do is run an experiment. I said, maybe we run it for a couple of weeks or something and see how it goes. I said, but I said, you know what I would think, though, is what you, what you guys could pitch, call, call these guys. It's not for the listeners themselves. But so that when people ask our listeners who are technical, generally technical people, hey, I need a website built. Can you build it for me? Do you want to build it for me? I mean, when people come to you and say that, what do you say? I don't want, I don't want to do it. And I want, I, want to, I want to offload it to someone else. <laughs> yeah. So you just say, call these guys. <laughs> call these guys. Now, that's actually really good. I like that. I like that. And you know what? I, I mean, the, the job thing, it just doesn't seem like that's right for our, our listenership. Because you know what? They're, they're all kind of like, I mean, I guess they're like us. They're they're just out there working on stuff. They've already got stuff going. They don't need a job. So, I don't you know. I know if one proves it yet. I mean, I, th- I think we should give it a shot. And we'll see let's see what else happens. I mean, just let me yeah. experiment a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, there's that, obviously, there's, there's something in there. I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple of thousand people who, who are of a, of a kind of person. So there's something in there, I'm sure. Right, right. I mean, you know, we, we see by the people who respond to the comments that just, there's so many people who do doing such a range of things and have so many different yeah. expertise. Um, but anyway, I, what I think is for, for, you know, for Ravi is like, you know, for all our listeners, when next time your, your friend or cousin or aunt or somebody calls you up and says, I have, we need to put together a site for my such and such club or this department and my thing, they wanted this thing. And you're just like, oh God, I don't have time for this. And, and yet you not only do you not have time to do it yourself, you don't want to have to spend time to try and find someone for them. Yeah. That's a pain. Cause like, you feel like you, cause you feel like you, you, you feel bad to just say, no, I don't know anybody. Sorry. You feel like, okay, so let me go look around on Google and see if I can find someone and, 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 you know, like who's not going to be charged them like $30,000 to put up some simple dynamic website or something. And, uh, or someone who's just going to build it, but they're not going to host it or, you know, just like kind of leave them high and dry. Like you need someone who's like a full, you know, full solution, right? It's all done. They go in the whole, these guys, call these guys.com. Or just call them. Just call these guys. Just call these guys. Just call these guys. Dot com. Yeah, and it's what he says. They, they, so they're like, um, he's like, they actually have a phone number, right? Like you call them, right? They're not like just like an email address. They call them anytime. Just walk in. Like a lot of times, I said people just walk in and they'll like help people fix things for free. Sometimes the first time, just say, look, we'll just take care of it. Don't worry about it. And and uh, yeah, and so Robbie's a super nice guy, and uh, and they've been doing this for a number of years, and they have a ton of clients, and uh, yeah. I think I, I really like that. So, so our, our listeners are kind of the channel and, and, and the benefit that our listeners get from this is they get rid of the pain of having to answer those questions. Right. Look, or, I don't want to have to answer this question. Just call these guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's great. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I don't, well, that's our first uh, sort of advertisement, non-job advertisement. We'll see how that goes. I'm and was that the, was that the ad? That's that. Oh, I thought that was that was like the meta communication about the ad, but that was the ad right there. I think that's it. I mean, you know, that's our style, right? Oh, cool. 
I mean, unless nicely done. Well, to say about it, you did that like a magician. You like you really subtly put that in there. <laughs> well done. I'm trying. See, I figure I, it's like I don't want to like impose anything annoying on our listeners because I hate, yeah. I hate that. But I feel like this would actually be like I'm giving everybody all our listeners an out. Like this is just write down, call these guys. Doc- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually. I mean, I'm I'm impressed with the with the the domain name that you've thought of there as well because anyone's going to remember that. I'm going to remember that. You know, yeah. call these guys. Yeah, because he was great. Dolly, I'm like, dude, that sucks. <laughs> remember that it's not even phonetic i know a dh nobody's gonna remember the h i mean that's not gonna work i don't know (laughs) it's not gonna work for i mean just for it let alone our show just anywhere (laughs) anywhere on the internet any kind of advertising like you know that's a name okay so he's from his family is from fiji and that's that was like the name of the tribe that it's just such a difficult brand to build though i mean that's a very difficult brand to build yeah, I mean, I could see why, like, I mean, you see people do that all the time. They name companies after, yeah. like, that area they're from or something. At least it's unique, but, yeah. and it means something to him. And it's, a, you know, it's what, uh, five-letter domain, you know. Doc- yeah, that's true, yeah. The problem is on a, we- at least, ex- especially on an audio. Audio. audio it's yeah. like, that's just, people are not going to remember this. But um, he, he took my advice. He did, first he did call these guys, and I said, also, get just call these guys. <laughs> people are going to. Great, man. That's really good. Okay. Um, so do you have anything else? Um, I'm going to have to head in probably 10 minutes. Oh, man. I had so much stuff. Um, okay, come on. Bring it up and, and, and try and get through it fast. <laughs> okay. I'll just grab a couple random ones. So okay. I, one article is talking about how computer science graduates are the least employable in the UK. Oh, really? I'd like to hear about that. Well, I think it was worth bringing up since you're over there now. Yeah. It's like a six. Well, I'm in Ireland, not the UK, but that's okay. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you're in that general area. I thought you were going to be back and forth. Are you so the whole time in Ireland? I thought you were you going to go. Just, to- yeah, I'll be in Ireland until the twelfth. Yeah, so my, it was the first four days in or five days in the UK, and then the rest of it's in Ireland. Right. So I yeah, that's what I thought. I thought so anyway, I mean, have you seen anything like that? I mean, why why is the why is there such high unemployment, for, in particular in, in uh, technology programming in over there? I just can't even believe it. It just seems strange. I mean, to, what, what is the article saying? Like, what's the what's the proof? Uh, I don't know. It was on the nextweb.com uh, UK. And, uh, so you just read the headline? You didn't read the article? I read it. I mean, they just kind of, they just basically said, yeah, this is the lowest, these are the, this is the highest unemployment. So let's see what it says. So like a computer science was 17% employment for UK college leavers by subject. Medicine was 0%. Law. But could that be, I mean, could, could it be because they just don't want to take jobs that they consider to be lowly or something like that? Could well, it, indi- it is- be related to the cynicism of, of people in the tech industry? Well, it's funny. Creative arts has 13%. <laughs> creative arts, computer science is 17%. Isn't that amazing? That, that doesn't make sense. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's funny. I don't know. According to Charlie Ball, Deputy Research Director at the Higher Education Careers Services Unit, data huh are based on the experiences of 205,000 students six months after graduation. It may very well be that computer science students are holding out for a specific dream job six months after graduating and have exactly. freelance work. Exactly. They come- that's, that's, that's what I think it is. I, that's exactly what I think it is. I think that they, they, they've got a very high, like <laughs> tech people do often have a very high opinion of themselves <laughs> and a big ego. And they're like, I'm not taking that job. I want to work for Google kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I think uh, Elon Musk had the best week ever. 
I was I was I was talking to people over here in the pub last night about Elon Musk and <laughs> it was a good conversation telling them about this entrepreneur called Elon Musk who's changing the the shape of humanity. <laughs> conversation went down well. Well, they hadn't heard of him? No, no. I mean, he's not he's not like a household name over here, that's for sure. Yeah, well, he's probably not a household name generally except for, you know, the tech world and even yeah. it's not, you know, just sort of our neck of the woods probably. But anyway, so you 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 you, you want to know why he's having the best week ever? Which, by the way, is one of my favorite TV shows. You ever used to watch that TV show? Oh no! Oh, it was hilarious. They would have a bunch of comedians on, and they'd be like, "This is why so and so is having the best week ever," you know. And it was <laughs> they were saying, "Okay, cool. So why is he having the best week ever?" <laughs> um, so two things. So the uh, SpaceX complete the, the here's the title it says completes first delivery trip to space station provides U.S. space industry proves U.S. space industry is still alive. So. Yeah, it was the actual first real delivery. Yeah. That's what space That's a big deal. And I think it returned no, huge. something close to, it's like over a thousand pounds or 15 pounds, something close to a ton of, of like, of, of stuff back to earth, like, you know, science results from science experiments and different things. Hmm. That's a big deal. The second thing is that the Tesla Model S was voted by, I think, uh, was it Auto Magazine or something as the, as the car of the year? Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Right, I mean, he's and so he's the CEO of both companies. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Did I mention that I own thirty-seven shares of Tesla? <laughs> oh, you you now own thirty-seven shares? <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. We've told about the Facebook debacle where I bought two thousand dollars. Yeah. I put two thousand dollars into the IPO, and then you know, because I was just going to play that one day thing for the fun of it, and then of course the Nasdaq just face planted, and you know, nobody got filled on anything, and so anyway, I lost almost half of of, of that money so it's like a thousand a little over a thousand dollars left and i just used that and i said let's just buy tesla okay so so did did tesla gain back your loss your losses since it was announced as car of the year no I, it's been sitting right around 20 bucks it hasn't really moved in the last month or so but so was it how come you've only got 37 shares because that's i i said i told sandy because sandy was the one who did it i said let's just just settle out of whatever we have in the facebook because i don't even like facebook and take whatever the amount that is, and let's just buy Tesla because I like Tesla. I mean, I believe in it long term. I think it's cool. I'm, I want to be an investor in Tesla. I mean, yeah, as we've talked about in a previous show, I think it, I think it's fun to put your money into companies that you think. No, you're right because I mean, investing in Tesla now would be like in, I mean, investing in Apple in the in the 70s or 80s or something. That's what I feel like. I mean, yeah, no, okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do it as well. But I mean, it's like, you know, it's not like I put a ton of money, but I, I want to slowly, like, over time, accumulate a position in it. I want to, sl- you know, I, I want to get way beyond 37 shares, you know, but, uh, you know, with obviously not over investing, but I'd like to, it's going to take a while for the company to prove that it's a, it's, it's a really viable long-term business. But um, I don't know. I believe in Elon Musk. I mean, if he can, if he can build a spaceship, you know, rocket company from scratch and dock with a space station. You know, I, I feel like he can do this. Okay, so when I get back, that's one thing I'd love to do with you is to help me help set me up with a, a trading account and buy some Tesla shares. All right, now I'll start day trading on me because I don't take any responsibility for like trading in and out of stuff. You know? No, 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 I won't. I won't. I'll just, I'll do it for the long term. Georgie's going to come and knock on the door. She's like, what did you tell Justin to do? <laughs> he just- no, no. She, whenever you tell, advise me to do something, it, it, it tends to be good and we, we tend to make, up, make money. So uh, she's, she'll be mind about it okay right, cool you you've never advised anything that was kind of high risk or or where we lost money so no i 
trying to be very conservative about that, especially when offering advice to other people, because it's like, I don't want, I don't want to get anyone else in trouble. So, you know, speaking on the whole money thing, I remember we've talked about like how, um, you know, getting in debt and how we both got ourselves in a little bit of debt a while back and we're both kind of getting ourselves out. We yeah. talked about that So now it looks, I think we're about a month away, totally out of debt. Remember, that's fantastic. Like, that's fantastic. Like 70. It's funny to think that I talked about this on a public bo- uh, podcast, but whatever. <laughs> is, that, is that including um, school loans and all that? Oh, I paid off student loans long, long ago. I had like yeah. $1,000 in student loans, but I paid those off like, you know, whatever, five or six years out of school. I, I mean, I, I kind of, once I, my first high paying consulting gig, I just plowed all that cash in and paid it off. But that uh, is great, man. I mean, we're, we're out of debt minus school loans that we're still, we still have all that. But apart from that, we're out of debt with everything else. That's awesome. So we had, we had, so 70, we had like 70,000 in, um, in, in, cause we remodeled our condo top to bottom. Yeah. And that in, you know, in, in anticipation, we're going to try and sell. And then the market fell out completely and there was no way of selling it. So, and then also we had $70,000 in debt to service, which was a nightmare. And, uh, so I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to have to start. It's like, you know, just digging a ditch. I mean, we got to dig ourselves out of this thing, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, with you know, as we've talked about, just making doing all this consulting work is just like making a cash run and just plowing it in to debt. So, I think we're going to be at like one more month, we completely out. That's seventy grand. I think we're down to like nine or something. Fantastic! It's awesome. Fantastic. So this is well, this, this this we chalk this one up to radical transparency, right? <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's a great note to end the show on as well. Um, I've got just everyone's just walked back in the door. Ooh, what's that? The thing I was going to say is, so after the turn of after the new year, though, I mean, well, I'm starting to build up a decent. Also, have a decent cash, you know, um, uh, with the cash reserves. So now I'm, yeah. I, I'm like, I was telling Sandy, I say like, 2013. I want to start, you know, setting aside a certain number to invest. You know, invest in things, not just, I mean, buying the market, but like, you know, I was like, you know, the thing is that because of the show and just because of my network, I know a lot of people doing interesting things hmm. would be worth investing in. And by building up, by making as much money as we're able to doing, doing um, consulting, you actually have investment capital available. Well, could, could you, I mean, could you be an accredited investor? No. You probably could. No. Well, I could in a couple years, but you have to make over two hundred fifty thousand dollars for like three years in a row or something like that. Oh, is it? Oh, is that how it works? I see. In net worth, but if you know someone personally, um, then you can. It, it, you're, you're outside of that range. I mean, like if your butt starts a company and and you know he can ask you to invest. Oh, I see. You know, I mean, like so if if Rob starts some cool new company, I could say, hey, Rob, let me throw in fifteen grand or something. Oh, cool. Okay, that's great. So I'm like, I was, I was like, you know. I would like to sort of maybe start doing that in 2013. I was like, because we were we were watching this History Channel um, uh, series called the The Man Who Built America, which I highly recommend, by the way, if anyone's uh, interested. And they were covering like J.P. Morgan and about how it, he was like in episode three, I guess, about how he was, you know, he would invest in all these industries and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that would be kind of cool, <laughs> kind of on a micro scale, right? Yeah, like a little Warren. But I mean, I would invest in Rob Walling right now. Yeah, Rob, if you're listening, just give me a, give me a call. I'm, I'll, I'll put five grand into anything that you're working on. Let's call it the <laughs> TF, right? Like the let's call the what? 
the Rob Walling ETF. It's like the uh, exchange exchange traded fund. So anything that Rob <laughs> builds, like you own a little piece of it, it's like an index fund. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> you should do that. I'm still pissed that I didn't get to invest in Hittail. I told him when he's visiting, I'm like, dude, let me put a little bit of money into Hittail. He's like, well, I don't know. You know, it's still just, you know, coming along. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I'm missing the next one, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to write a check and mail it to you. So the next thing I'm picking up, I'm getting a piece up. Well, it's kind of like when he invested in WP Engine, Jason Cohen's company. Yeah. I mean, I was like, that's a, well, I'm like, that is such a gimme putt, right? I mean, that's a free, I mean, that's going to make money. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to, it's this very small chance that you're going to lose that, you know, 20. Although they got some bad press recently. They did, but they're growing huge. They're good. Yeah, and, they are. Yeah. You know, That's I mean, what, in fact, when you start to get bad press like that, it's a bit of a sign that you're beginning to be successful. Yeah, you're worth complaining about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have some things they can work on, like all companies. And, um, you know, it's complained about all the time. And, uh, you know, they, you know, these companies, they try, you know, the good companies like WP Engine and Uber, they figure out and they solve these problems. And, uh, you know, Jason Cohen's a winner. He knows how to build companies. And so when I saw on TechCrunch or whatever a year ago when it said, you know, WP just raised money from all these big investors and Rob Walling. Like, <laughs> you get it on that. I'm like, that's such a free ride. I'm like, yeah, that is good. At least, you know, I'm assuming, I don't know how much he put in, but I mean, I'm assuming he probably put in 20 or 25, you know, they usually do those angel investments. I'm like, yeah, that's at least five, 10 X. No problem. No problem. And like, well, what? you know what? He was just, bu- he was just, um, I-, I think he was just buying Jason Cohen to talk at, uh, microconf. Oh, well, he was putting money in so that he was putting money yeah. into it? so that Jason Cohen would talk at MicroConf. It was the only way he could get him there. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm investing in the next falling uh, venture, whatever. So I'm like, maybe, maybe, maybe rather than trying to build our own companies, just crank out cash consulting, yeah. just become an investor. And then just invest, like, you know, remember Chan Tang, who did the, the hedge fund? The, I mean, that, um, the high-frequency trading hedge fund? Yeah. I would love to be like next year, call up Chan and say, "Hey, Chan, here's twenty five grand or something." You know, let me put That'd it. That'd be awesome. You know, but uh, anyway, all right. We'll have to talk. We'll have to talk. I have like like fifteen topics. I guess we will have to do it next week. Sorry, man. I, I I have to head. Like everyone's just walked through the door right now. No problem. And, and I'm I'm on my vacation. Yeah, your vacation. Is it a workation or is it a uh, vac? It, it's a it's a vacation. There there is a little bit of working, but it's generally a vacation. How much how much work are you getting done today? Do you think? Uh, I wouldn't say a day, more like a week, maybe two hours a week. <laughs> there we go. You were like, I'll do two hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that's not going to happen. Well, at least you'll come back rested. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's a show, huh? We're done? Yep. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. We're out.